everyone, and I am Samantha Tomlinson. And I am Kevin Tracy. Welcome to Movie Reel, folks. And we have another guest with us today. It's Connor Peace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, long-time masturbator, first-time <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> All right, starting off strong, I guess. No, real excited to be here. You know, it's not every day you get to talk shit about the movie that killed Sean Connery's career. The best James <laughs> yeah, Bond. Yeah, no, I, I have a... Funny that you mentioned that. The movie that we are talking about this week is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I have a quick history lesson for you guys. Leading up to this movie, Sean Connery uh, picked a fair share of movies that were less than critically and uh, financially successful. Uh, but the real kicker is is that the movies that he picked, he picked over movies that were exceedingly popular and successful. So I'm going to give you a quick quiz on which movies you think he passed up for the movies that he actually chose. So the movie for Dragonheart, what movie do you think he passed up? It was a classic movie that was directed by Steven Spielberg that was based off of a book. Oh, 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 I know this. So, yeah, because I actually did a little research on this as well. Yeah, Yeah. he he had the opportunity to be John Hammond. Yeah, John Hammond in Jurassic Park. He would have been the owner of Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies. And instead, he decided to do Dragonheart, which (laughs) not, not not the worst movie in his career, but. I mean, definitely not the best. What did he give up uh, to do Highlander 2? I mean, hey, just... don't... Highlander 2. I, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, so... That, that's, not that's, the, not the that, that's a whole other quick, can of worms. Quick, yeah. quick uh, history lesson. So, these are the facts that I know about Connor. So, one, Connor, you are my sister's boyfriend. Two, you are from Boston. Three, you're Irish. And four, you were named after Connor McLeod of Highlander. Yeah. And... I'm not judging. I'm not. Oh, I'm not shitting on Highlander. Um, Highland. I'm shitting on Highlander too. Which yeah, Highlander gets out there a little bit where they're like they're aliens and some other weird shit. But first movie stands pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that. The first one's pretty solid. The first two are on Amazon Prime, and I went, oh no, because now I'm going to watch them, especially Highlander yeah. two. <laughs> That's how we. Uh, that is how Kevin and I rate sequels on a scale of. Highlander 2 to Empire Strikes Back. Where does it fall in terms of worst sequel versus best sequel? So this is, I've actually never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Oh yeah, that was, except that was for my other fact about you. One, oh, which, which is, one? I've only seen, I've only, the, apparently what people oh, call the worst no. one were like, Oh uh, no. no. Of, the, of the original six. Oh. Uh, the new ones of, the one where uh, he has the higher ground and then gets his legs chopped off. That's the best of the, oh. of the prequels. At least that's yeah, not. That's I thought you were saying Attack yeah, that, of the Clones or or Phantom or Menace. Phantom Menace. Oh God! At least you've seen the least shitty of the sequels, the uh, prequels. You had me worried there for a second. I was very scared. Ugh. All okay. right. Um. Back back to the the Sean Connery <laughs> trivia session. Um. So yeah, he he picked Dragonheart over Jurassic Park, and then he decided to be in the movie The Avengers. Not not the Marvel one. This was a, like a British TV show starring Uma Thurman and Ralph Fiennes. Whoa. Which movie, which, not which movie series do you think that he uh, gave up for that one? Was it Lord of the Rings? I don't know Harry why Potter. I Lord of the Rings. Nope, nope. It was, uh, he passed up being Morpheus in the Matrix movies. Oh, but, you know, yeah. I think... Yeah, that, that, that would have been a weird one. I, I think Lawrence... Honestly. Fishborn is the correct right call on that, though. 
I, yeah. I don't, um, don't. I think he would have been a good John Hammond, but I think uh, I'm spacing on what's the actor's name who plays John Hammond. I think he was also well casted. I will say he he did turn out some yeah. interesting roles, but I think he also they were fine without him. It wasn't like it was yeah. aching for Connery; like it it worked. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And honestly, he kind of would have been kind of like a, a show stealer because it's like, oh, it's Sean Connor, like everyone knows him. He was like the quintessential James Bond for like 20 years. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so like like everyone knows him as like, oh, Bond, James Bond. Like whenever anyone does like a James Bond like impersonation, they always go Connery. They always go like shitty Scottish accent. It's like, oh, my uh, vodka martini shake and not stare. Because he, he's the only one with like a specific type of like inflection to his yeah, voice like, uh, J- uh daniel craig just sounds british and i, I mean i haven't seen yeah. pierce brosnan but i'm a s- those those ones those ones vary in like really entertaining to like weirdly goofy <laughs> okay it, it's a it's a mix between like modern and like the campiness from like the 60s and 70s where it's like i have a telephone shoe and a knife pen okay <laughs> okay Resourceful. Yeah. So back to Dr. Connery. This was um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was his final movie uh, in 2003. Uh, and the movie that he turned, I'm just going to tell you, the movie series that he turned down was playing Gandalf the Grey slash White in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. First of all, okay, I knew Lord of the Rings was involved. Second, yeah. oh. And third, uh, uh, God, uh, I'm spacing on his name. Why am I spacing on his name? Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. I knew it was Ian. Ian McKellen, I think, though, also was perfect in that. So, again. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I love Ian McKellen in Lord of the Rings. I, hell, I love Lord of the Rings. So, I'm, I'm glad that he got casted for it. But it was just. Unfortunate. The fact that Connery. The, yeah, the fact that Connery turned down something that was, like, sure to be a hit. It was, like, three guaranteed movies. For a widely successful like book trilogy that everybody unanimously like adored because it was made it was it was written so long ago and it's still regard held in high regards today, and it was all they all three films were going to be filmed like at the same time something a feat that has never been done before up until that. That's point. why I have so the like, utmost wh- respect for Peter Jackson because oh yeah he no, actually it, it was amazing he actually took into consideration the proper way to do it as well as uh you know like there were scenes i know that he didn't want to put in but he knew the audience wanted it and so he ultimately did what the audience wanted like that's i yeah i just think that's great connor are you a lord of the rings person no i've never seen those ones either Ooh, i hadn't until i watched them all with kevin (laughs) and (laughs) what a i mean what a whirlwind like Okay. Yeah, no, it, it was also funny because I was also showing the Lord of the Rings trilogy to another friend who had never seen it. And for some reason, like you, you couldn't make it to when we first started watching it. So we got through all of Fellowship of the Ring. By the way, I have like the director's cut. So this is like the full extended movie. Um, so, so we watched all of uh, Fellowship of the Ring and then we watched half of uh, Two Towers. And then they, they had to leave and like go about life. Um, and we were all watching this in one day. So that was, that was like well over like five hours. I just remember just watching movie. I just remember you saying, uh, I've seen Lord of the (laughs) Rings, half of Lord of the Rings twice in two, in 24 hours. And it's been the same half. 
Yeah, yeah, and then the next day you came over and we watched all the way up until the same point. It's like, oh, if you watch it like all the way up till this point, then like we can all watch it together. And that didn't end up happening. Till six ended up months watching. later. Yeah, like six months later, we were able to finish it. <laughs> and you were so confused. I, I don't really know what happened in Two Towers. Uh, I just remember that there was not a sex scene between Frodo and Samwise. And I remember the... <laughs> potatoes and like that that's pretty much the only two things i remember from two towers the, the and, only and, takeaway is the and carl the, urban the, the, yeah carl urban and the unbridled bromance between sam and frodo there's just a scene where i honestly would have expected if it was any other movie i would have expected frodo to pick up sandwise and carry him off to the to the master bedroom that's how it like was looking and i was like <laughs> okay you've been reading too much fan fiction sam <laughs> no i haven't even i don't think i've read any fan fiction <laughs> Okay. Um, but so let's get into the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh my God! Yes. Um, I was very disappointed uh, reviewing this movie uh, after I discovered that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, was originally based off of a series of uh, comic books that were written by Alan Moore, like the Alan Moore, which really kind of threw me for a loop because Alan Moore is credited as. Um, the creator of the comic book series Watchmen, which is like one of oh. like, which is like one of yeah, like you know about it. Like it's 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 insanely popular. It's like a really good yeah. comic book, and it made like a really good movie. Mm-hmm. It was just like it's regarded as like one of the best like comic books like ever ever. Interesting. And it this movie was also directed by um uh Stephen Norrington, who directed uh Blade. Uh, with Wesley Snipes, so he had experience doing uh, comic book movies. So that makes me wonder what the hell happened with this movie. He also <laughs> never directed again after this movie, but I don't think it was because of the end result. I think he said he just had a very hard time because it was just it was so massive and there was like too many. It was like really big crews and and producer. It was it was more of just the process as opposed to. Uh, the actual outcome, the end result of the movie. Yeah, yeah, because like, yeah, because after this movie, he never did any directing, but he does have um, uh, special effects credit credits from uh, The Exorcist in 2004 and uh, Harbinger Down in uh, 2015. But that's just special effects as a mostly a sculptor. Um, but yeah, this was his last directorial debut. Pulled the old. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get fired. I quit after this movie. Basically, yeah. <laughs> So, Andrea, who is my sister, she had told me that you guys had watched this movie, and I literally was like, oh my god, we're about to watch that movie. That's gonna be our next, what we're gonna do for movie reel. And then I started watching it, and I called her. I was not even, first of all, this movie took me so long to watch, because I had to keep stopping to make a note. Like, I had to keep, like, even, like, or I would go back because I was missing, like, and, uh... I was not even 11 minutes in and I'm like, I don't, I don't, how, how am I going to do this? I can't. It's, it's just, it's, there are, I don't want to, it's not good. What do we talk about first? Is it the terrible plot, the super flat (laughs) characters, like the (laughs) weird way it was shot, like where I feel like scenes are missing? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. The, the character development was non-existent. I was about to say non-existent. Ah. It, it was it was really yeah it, it was it was just really disappointing because like 
this this movie was basically like the first Avengers. It, it was a it was a huge superhero team up of arguably like some like the most popular and like well known literary figures throughout history. Like we got Alan Corman, who I'm gonna be honest, I did not know who this was before I saw this movie. I've never heard of most of them. I mean, I know Tom Sawyer. Yeah. I've heard of Captain Nemo. Uh, I've never heard of Alan Quartermain. Dorian Gray, I may, might have, I don't know. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the portrait or the picture, the, oh God, it's like the painting of Dorian Gray is basically just a story of his painting gets old, but he doesn't. And if he ever looks at it, the curse is like broken and he ages and the painting goes back to normal. Yeah, it sounded kind of familiar when I, I thought like, there were enough hints that I'm like, I think I've heard of this, maybe. It was, but it's not, uh, stuff isn't very, it's definitely, if you've read the, not only if you've read, you've read the, it's a, a graphic novel, if you've read the graphic novel, but as well as if you just know these characters, and if you don't, yeah. you're screwed. Like, there is more, so Avengers is all of these different superheroes coming together. And, but to be fair, they each have their own movie prior but there is more character development in these already developed characters than there is in this movie where we have never met any of these characters and we will never see them again. This was supposed yeah. to set up for a sequel and there is not, there is, there wasn't there is one. Not, thank God. Yeah. There, there, I, I doubt there ever will be because this, this movie got completely like decimated by critics and audience alike. I honestly can't, I'm not, fully surprised but it was also kind of disappointing when i saw their budget and their uh overall uh worldwide gross um so this movie had a budget of 78 million dollars oh yeah that's all yeah i mean it's estimated because like you know this was 2003 and there's been like some inflation since then uh it in the u.s it only made 66 million dollars uh, with a worldwide gross of 179 million. Technically, it was a financial success worldwide. It was a financial failure in the U.S., so that was really the only thing it had going for it of whether or not they could make a sequel was they made a lot of money worldwide. But since it was like pan negatively throughout everything, it this movie was basically slashed after that. So this movie star. Uh starts in 1899 which you are aware of because they keep giving us like a like a time card three times and it's never relevant i I don't need to know i think the only time i need to know is maybe the beginning it doesn't it keeps telling us june july i'm like okay i don't see why i need to know this i can just make a guess that time has passed there's no uh, but anyway that's i'm getting ahead of myself there's like text (laughs) on a screen which I've said before, whenever there's text on a screen, it's like a 50-50 chance it's going to be a shitty movie. I, there are plenty of movies where it's a good movie, and there's plenty that I it's a bad say, movie. I was going to say, like, with the exception of Star Wars, which I haven't really seen, yeah. I think it means the shitty movie. Like, Star Wars, and I think maybe Hunger Games. But, like, if it typically, <laughs> I've seen enough movies to know when there's text on a screen, it's usually giving us information that either we don't need or will already be getting, and yeah, it, it and it's also kind of funny because it's just the text on the screen is being read and narrated to us. It's like, what? What's the point of the text if it's just going to be told to us? It wasn't. It, being... it just seems kind of. Oh, what version? I mine wasn't narrated. Yeah, mine. Oh, I guess. I, 
Oh, okay, I guess I saw a different version. But. That's all. I mean, I agree. That is that is stupid. Yeah, it, it like in general, if like a movie does that, it, it it's just annoying when it's like, does this movie think the audience can't read? <laughs> it's like, it's like it's there. Why do why do you need to tell us something that we can read for ourselves? So Either tell us or funny. let us read it. I don't think this movie wants us to read. That's my conspiracy theory. Oh, <laughs> I think I red pill myself a little bit. I think this movie was made so bad on purpose about literary figures that if you're a kid and you see this movie and you're like, oh, it's about like books and stuff, maybe it'll be good. And then you see it and you're like, you know what? I guess books are stupid. Uh, I was right. And I'm just going to watch movies for now. And I guess I'll go watch Fast and Furious 8 or whatever. <laughs> In 2003, I mean, that- I'll go watch Fast and Furious 8. I'll, I'll never watch yeah. a movie until it comes out. <laughs> Yeah, take that, yeah. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen <laughs> and Pagemaster. Well, so that's the thing. Like, Pagemaster does this job so much better. Oh, absolutely. That is a that is a great movie. What is Pagemaster? Pagemaster starring Christopher Lloyd Macaulay and Culkin. Uh, Macaulay Culkin. Whoa. Thank you. Whoa, what a weird combo. Uh, let's get into the let's get into the start of this movie because like, the text on the screen is basically saying like for it's it's eighteen ninety nine and for centuries all these nations are barely at peace and for centuries they've been using one rifled uh what one shot rifles and all that's about to change it's a new era and we're in i london england i guess and uh yeah it's somewhere somewhere in and england and it looks like a, f- a tank just just breaks through a building <laughs> and these cops are like stop like that's gonna make yeah. it stop he, he's just saying halt <laughs> first of it's yeah. like, oh, he's he said halts. I better stop. <laughs> First of all, it looks this movie just looks like a film set. It doesn't look like a city or a. T- it just looks like they just slapped together something, and it just took me out of it. I think it's because right away, uh, I got so thrown because in the very beginning, at least, they kept hammering in the time frame, and for me, it just it didn't look like in the very beginning. It didn't look like eighteen ninety nine to me. But then again, I don't really, I don't know. So yeah, there's a tank that, first of all, there's a tank that rolls out. And I was, cr- I was laughing so hard. All of the cops are just banging their sticks against it. Yeah, <laughs> that was they're hilarious. Just, they're like, yeah, it just, yeah, they're just taking their billy clubs like, oh, what up, you might. <laughs> oh, I guess it just <laughs> ran over our on? friend. But if I hit it with this club, maybe it'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop persisting. Which also, that, when that guy gets run over, it almost looks like it's a shot for shot remake of like, when that guy gets run over in the Austin Powers movie. Oh, but it's like, stop! Yeah, that's it's exactly what happened. <laughs> They're going like two miles an hour and he's like 50 feet away. It's like, stop! Like, he's screaming like he's about to die. It's like, you have plenty of time to move. <laughs> like, you're fine, dude. Um, but yeah, this tank, they're like hitting it with the tank, like that's gonna stop it. And the tank drives into the Bank of England and these military people come out and they, I think it was because what threw me was their uniforms. I guess it could, yeah, it's 1899, but they looked almost identical to the uniforms that the German troops are wearing in the end of Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which is set in World War II. That's what threw me. Yeah, it well, just I mean, looked like... Well, I mean, yeah. th- th- these guys are supposed to pretend to be German yes, troops. I mean, yes. it, it is weird that they're supposed to be... That it's World War One as opposed to World War Two, but which is very I know that's a very weird. It yeah. just it it threw me because it didn't. Again, I'm not as familiar with the uniforms of World War One, so I don't know. It just some there were just these tiny details that just I didn't. It was the vibe. I just didn't 
believe it to be the time that they were hammering it in to be. So this yeah. guy steals papers of a building and they leave. And then it cuts to they're in another building in in Berlin. And all these scientists are like, okay, so first of all, the bad guy who later we will find is uh, named, the, he named himself the Phantom, which is because let's just be as lazy yeah. as possible. No, because it's supposed to be the Phantom of the Opera. He's got like a, like half his face is all messed up and he's wearing a mask, but it's wearing a mask that we can still see his messed up part. Wait, really? Yeah. It's, it's literally the Phantom of the Opera. Prove me wrong. <laughs> First of all, he does not look a thing like the Phantom of the Opera, and the Phantom of the Opera yeah, would be going around Europe stealing weapons. If anything, he'd be stealing. Yeah. He'd be like Ursula and stealing voices from women. Oh, oh. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure that Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde isn't hulking around the middle of London, What's, but like, you know we'll, it's a we'll movie. Get there. I don't suspension of disbelief. Okay, like suspension of disbelief. Back like, for a big, like, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. He, you know. He, He's trying. He breaks into the bank, pretending to be German to like cause unrest between the countries. But like, why were the blueprints of Venice in a London bank? Yeah, I wanted to bring that up too. That makes zero Was sense. Was it in somebody's vault? That would have made a little more sense. Still, no sense, but a little more sense. Yeah, it, it, it's like some weirdly specific design plans from Leonardo da Vinci are in some safety deposit box in London that are about Venice is like, what, why is this here? And also like the amount of like explosives he uses, I don't think he needed any blueprints. Oh yeah. It's like, dude, you, you have enough to just level like the entire Vatican, like that entire, like the Vatican city. Like you, you're good. You, you, you don't need a, you don't need to sink the whole city. You, you can just blow he it up. You could have just walked on to Venice and decided the blueprints were kind of irrelevant. He could have just, gone to venice and made that decision but anyway so it's like yeah. next they're like infiltrating like some german uh air, air hangar thing. that are making and, that are making zeppelins and the, he's about to shoot up into a bunch of zeppelins and one of the science is like no it's filled with uh hy- hydrogen hydrogen and okay yeah. this is what really pissed me off we get we're getting these we're seeing the villain like because yeah his just one eye is open and we're seeing like all these scars kind of underneath but the rest of his face is covered we're seeing like pieces of him because they want to like build it up to what he looks like and then he's shooting and they should have just done a shot of the gun or him from the back or the uh bullet arrow whatever it was but then they just show all of him. And I'm like, you just, you're, yeah. you're building it up and then you don't, you just like stop building it and just, I was like, it just was not cohesive and it was just very like, fuck! Yeah, okay. they, like you could have had like an awesome like Dr. Claw kind of moment. It's like, oh, I'll get you next time, Gadget. And like, you never see his face. You just see his like, his like menacing claw. Like you just see like, kind of like a silhouette of him or like what he sounds like or just kind of like a close up of like, there's like messed up eye, but it's like, nope, you just see the whole thing. And he just looks like he, he, he just looks like he's wearing like a, like a, whatever clothes he had like left over in like his basement. Yeah. It, it was just all, it was just all loosely kind of like thrown together. It's like, Oh, I'm wearing like my Cruella de Vil, uh, fur jacket and like my, uh, Spartan armor that doesn't fully fit me. Cause he's wearing like a chest plate that just kind of only goes to like, the middle of his belly it's like what what is that supposed to protect see that's like, funny like, we were uh, we were mad about different things here because i personally was mad that when he shoots that rocket at the 
balloons. For some reason, there's like a rope on it. And I was just like, I, is this supposed to be like, I, I know what a rocket is. You can just show it hitting the balloon. I don't need this weird shot of like the rope coming out of the rocket holster attached to the rocket. It's just dumb. I, I think it was supposed to like just illustrate just like kind of like old school, like World War One technology that kind of looks modern. Because, like, they didn't have rocket launchers back then. That, that, that wasn't a, a thing that they had. Like, they had, like, mortars, but that was about it. But I, I think it was, like, is this supposed to be, like, a, like a modified, like, harpoon gun or something? And that's why there's a rope to it? It's just, like, that, that didn't bother me at all. It's just, like, oh, cool, just some, some like, weird, like, fake steampunk era technology. Like, that's what it looked like. There was a scene later in the movie... Uh, I, I won't I'll, I won't say what it is yet, but my dad was like, that's not possible. Like, in terms of physics, that's not possible. I'm like, Dad, none of this makes any sense. This is the least of this movie's worries. <laughs> like, all of these tiny details, these, like, tiny details, like, yeah, they, they take you out of it. They make you aware that this movie is even more flawed. Yeah. So we then are in Kenya, still 1899. We see this, you know, obviously British Victorian guy get out of this like car. He then goes into this like bar hotel. I actually at first thought was, it was like an old person's home because everyone in it was an old guy. (laughs) And then I realized, no, this is just like, it's kind of like the hangout in like the mummy where they're all drinking, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just a cantina. It's just a cantina with like a bunch of like old, um, like, english explorers and they all are dressed almost yeah. exactly the same and yeah. the guy's like where's where's quartermain but he says it so like I-, I thought he was a villain the way he said it he just he didn't sound at all like like i don't know he the, the tone of voice did not match the character but uh anyway well i mean he does i mean later on it is revealed that he is working for a bad guy and therefore is a bad guy by extension oh but, like, i mean that's kind yeah, of okay but i mean I mean that, that that that's kind of going in a bit further. It just still didn't. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I I was just like, geez, like okay. But anyway, he he is like, where's Quartermain? The guy's like, he's in the back. He then goes to the back and sees this. This he's like, are you Quartermain? The guy's like, yeah. And then he starts talking to him for a like, second. You, you you can clearly see Sean Connery behind him, just like reading his newspaper. And then you see him. They're talking for a second, and then he's like, Quartermain, the the British empire needs you. And then Sean Connery turns around going, but do I need the British empire? And then he's like, Nigel, go away. It's like, sorry about him. I use him to keep the story goers at bay. It's like, yes, because you clearly have so many fans. I thought that was, that's what I thought was like, I'm like, you have a decoy. It just seemed very, why? Elaborate. Like unnecessary. (laughs) And you could just say no. Also, they look they look nothing alike. So it's like if someone you know have seen it's like like it, it made no sense as to like why this guy is his, his decoy. Like they don't even have like the same facial hair. Like this guy that's his decoy has just like huge pillowy white mutton chops and like Sean Connery has like a full beard. It's like this guy looks nothing like him. <laughs> and uh they then the guy's like, I'm Sanderson Reed and all of this crazy things are going on, and we need you to lead a team of unique men. And I'm like, okay, I now, after seeing the whole movie, I, at the time, I was like, this seems very random. Like, why, why Quartermain? And also, why not maybe have a meeting or something? Like, is this the protocol? Yeah. Like, 
you know, like it just it seemed very random. Why did you come up with this decision yeah. to go get Quartermain? And uh, I'm putting together a team. We call ourselves the Avengers. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's like you see like Samuel Jackson with like an eye patch in the window. It's like that was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sanderson Reed beat you to it. And uh, uh, he's like, and Sean Connery is like. No, I, I don't want to do anything. And or actually, there's a part where the guy says, "Uh, your stories have thrilled young boys for years." And I thought that was just a poor choice of words. At the time, I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's like, oh, and they said, "Oh, your stories." Like, yes. Oh, okay, but it was just the. It's like it's like question. How is that relevant? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm I... like, so like is that you could say the same thing to J.K. Rowling? Like that's not gonna not gonna really be useful. I'm I'm just picturing like an adventure movie. It's like we need to get the world's greatest authors to to help us out in this time of crisis. Quick, I need J.K. Rowling, Stephen King, J.R.R. Tolkien, and George R.R. Martin's. Like, sir, one of those people is Bring dead. Bring back! Damn it! Find a replacement. Yeah. Um. So he then asks, he's like, "Where's your sense of patriotism?" And he like literally just stands up, goes, "God save the queen," and everyone just does it. And then suddenly, this group of guys just come in. They go to his name's Nigel, the decoy, and says, "Are you Quartermain?" He's like, "Yeah," and they shoot him. And we get this whole fight scene, and it's hilarious because Quartermain just springs into action, like he doesn't—he doesn't wait. Yeah, and yeah, he—he—he, he, 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 and he's also like very like kind of bored with it. Like he—he's just like Bruce, Matilda, and like the bartender just throws him like a shotgun. Just like, all right, let's do this. So yeah, <laughs> and, and one yeah, of the. Uh, one of the guys is just stuck in a chair. One of the bad guys that just breaks in. And this other guy, he... Oh, so uh, Sean Connery takes a, like, a bottle of... I don't know. It, was it... What was it? Was it vodka or tequila? Uh, just alcohol. alcohol. Just, uh, and then he just, hits him with yeah. it and he's like, what a waste. And there's a bunch of these... In the beginning, there are a lot of these end zingers. And some of them I really like, I'll be honest. But some of them... They just quickly cut. Like, it doesn't... There's no time for it to settle. Or just the way it's shot just doesn't work. But there's this whole elaborate fight scene. And there was my, one part, I was laughing so hard. And my parents are asking me what was going on. Uh, Quartermain picks up a, cha- a table, runs at a guy. And he's got this, like, expression on his face. Like, ah! And I was laughing so hard because it was so stupid. And then he stabs him into, like, a tusk in the wall. And then... Yeah, yeah, a, a rhino's horn. But it, it was also kind of weird because as he's doing that, the guy is like, his feet are firmly planted on the ground. But as they walk away, his feet are like a couple inches off the ground. It's like, when did he pick him up at the end? He just walked him straight back into it. It's like he he did not have time to like lift him up or like do anything with him to like cause him to be off the ground. So it's like, why is this yeah, man I mean, suddenly this, this levitating? Fight scene, it yeah. just, yeah. it infuriated me because like, First off, he he is so bored and unfazed by it. Like he takes a shot at the guys, and you know they're wearing like body armor. So, it, and the Reed guy's like, "By God, they're indestructible!" And he's like, "No, it's just armored plating." And it's like, "How would you know that? This doesn't exist. This is apparently brand new technology. Like you should be a little wowed by it." And then again later, where. The guy's like, oh, I guess they have automatic weapons. Yeah, because they, they literally pull out machine guns and everyone else is just using, like, just random, like, elephant guns to, like, he fight them been, off. What I looked bothered? up the timeline yeah. on, like, automatic weapons. He should have been amazed. That should have been, like, 
magic to him. And he's just like, oh, yes, yeah, automatic weapons. Like, a word I guess I just invented in my head. What bothered me more about the him pointing out that, no, it's just it's just uh, armor, was it came off more like, oh, these these guys, I battle these guys all the time. They've been hunting me down or something. Like, like he dealt with them before, which he had. Yeah, it, my bigger issue with this whole fight scene was, so I rewatched this scene. I've, I watched the whole movie, and then it was like a couple hours later. I rewatched up just up to this part, and it's just so rushed. This whole movie, there's no time for development because everything's just so rushed. Like every, like this scene in particular. Okay, so the scene between Sean Connery and Sanderson Reed, yeah, that you know there wasn't much left to say. Okay, fine. But they could have had the bad guys, maybe they're already in there, or they come in and they're watching the conversation. It's just, there was no development. There was no reason for us to think there was going to be a fight scene. It was just uh, because they needed a call to action and they just needed it way too quick. This is like the first 10 minutes of a movie. You can afford a couple of, you can afford, uh, so a part of the hero's journey is the refusal is there's the call to action and then the refusal. Like you don't want to participate. They could have, and they wanted, it was like the call, the refusal, and then the accepting all happened within five minutes. And that's just too quick. And so, so painfully undeveloped. Yeah. Yeah. Cause literally like Sean Connery's like main reason is to not want to like help the British empire is like, it's like Africa is my home. This is where I've, I buried my son and my wife and it's just like it, it, it's his home he doesn't really care about England or like the empire it's just as long as like the war doesn't come to Africa he he does not give a shit and when these guys attack it's like well the fight's already here might as well help him so it doesn't stay here for long so uh they leave the they leave the cantina one of the guys got away and he's so far away and Connery shoots him and it's the, it's it's almost the same as like I haven't seen it, but uh, the gunslayer in the Dark Tower who like can hit anything because like he fires with his heart or something. <laughs> like it's oh my god, that's such a stupid line. I, I fire with my heart. But, but uh, it's the same. Like he 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 never misses and he whatever. And so the guy he didn't. I thought he shot. He didn't kill him. He kept him alive people bring him in and he takes like a poison pill whatever so he doesn't can't talk yeah he, yeah he yeah yeah he pops some cyanide and then the uh cantina oh so when they leave there's a very there's a very obvious bomb and how do they not see it it wasn't they walk past it like it's not even that it's hidden it's just set down underneath the counter and the whole bo- the cantina explodes and he's like oh i guess i'll i'm in whatever and it's just like there's people inside, like, and everyone else is running, and he's just like, yeah, he also doesn't seem at all phased by his decoy's death. This longtime friend who's pretending to be him as, like, yeah. he, he... Or, like, the bartender, or, like, all the patrons inside the bar that are still in there. Quartermain, I don't, it's, I know it's more because it's it's poorly written. He's not a very good protagonist. He does not change or grow or develop in any way. None none of the characters do, but like he's our main character. He should. It's like, it's, uh, he just wasn't a very, it it was more like he was automatically the leader. He automatically took charge. It it was just very, I don't know. It was just really disappointing. He 
decides to go, and when they get there, it's just like, oh, you you made great time. Multiple times throughout this movie, they make random, I guess, like, inside jokes of, like, other, like, works of, like, literature. And this one, he makes, it's like, he, he gets out of the car, it's like, oh, it's like, you made here in great time. It's like, not as great as Trinity's Frog, around the world in 80 days. And it's like, really? You needed to spell that one out for us? Which, like, why didn't that, they leave together? That's what exactly. I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. I'm like, yeah. well, at first I'm like, <laughs> july wait why didn't you just leave right away and then i'm like oh, okay well it probably took him time to get there fine but yeah why didn't they just leave together the other guy was there first Ugh. which like and maybe to take a pause for a minute like this this plot makes no sense like <laughs> why they reached out to quartermain at all because apparently he's the only guy who could stop them wouldn't have joined in if they didn't fuck with africa and also has no magic powers to steal when we yeah. learn the later the like later double cross so bananas that he's involved in this at all yeah i the the reason why i kind of figure that they have him join is because he's the only one capable of more or less tracking down and ultimately kind of recruit like getting close enough to the other people that would allow them to like steal their technology and like their powers etc etc like with just like the random like goons and minions that he, they have that sent after Corbin. Do you think they actually had a chance of like, like tracking down like Jekyll and Hyde or anything like that? Yeah, I, I guess maybe the fact that they knew, but they yeah. already, so this actually goes into our next scene. Uh, Sanderson Reed takes him down into this hidden library where we meet M who is played by, uh, I have it written down. It's uh, Richard rocks. Roxburgh, who he, yeah. he is the Duke in Moulin Rouge. I thought he looked so familiar, and then I looked him up. I was like, "Oh, you!" Also, in the, in this scene, he he is explaining to like Cordman's like, "Oh yes, I want you to be the next member of our chapter of uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen." And um, as he's just kind of like walking through like this like this room, you see on like the paintings like uh, along the wall of like like previous like members of like the league of historian gentlemen and at one point behind him it's the wizard of oz like you see dorothy the cowardly lion the scarecrow and the tin man i didn't notice that at uh, all it's like yeah it, it was just kind of like a blink and you miss it moment and then there's like um i think at one point you see like red riding hood like other just random like like grim fairy tales characters just like on the back because those are public domain and i just like that's a fun little easter egg i actually kind of enjoyed that but uh, so and this is when we meet uh, Captain Nemo, and we yes. meet the uh, and there's a couple of scenes. There's a couple of times in this scene where actually a couple times in this movie, the camera just holds for too long of a time, and it'll be like like Captain Nemo says something, and then it just cuts to him, and it just holds on him. It's like yeah, we he's already he's done talking. I don't need to keep seeing him or like an object. It just keeps doing this, and it happens so often and i'm just like i'm done watching this i don't need to keep watching this random thing it, it's just it happened multiple times and then we meet uh skinner who is the invisible man and he because he's invisible he paints his face so people can see him yeah and i will say i did kind of like i mean it 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 it's not the worst there is re- there is some really bad cgi in this movie this is to be the better cgi is you see like he's painting his face and you see like kind of this uh image of his head but it's like covered you know half is white and the back is just invisible 
So I thought that looked cool. Yeah. But there were a lot of times where it was just very, very obvious. They just painted his face and it just, it's his regular, it just didn't, he didn't look, he looked too, uh, I don't know. It did Invisible. No, he didn't look too invisible. He was, he looked too visible. Like the paint just looked like, I, I mean, I guess it was accurate. It was just very clear. They painted his head white and then that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, can I, I'd rather take like, that as an alternative to just having like a random floating CGI white like pale face like I felt like it's like okay there's a reason why he looks yeah, like yeah. that this is why sure. it's like it's a good reason and it's a decent uh it's a reasonable amount of suspension and disbelief as to why he looks like a powdered donut yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um and we also meet uh Mina Harker and. Yes, the the Bride of Dracula or something See, like that. See, that's what I didn't... She kind of explained her story and it still made no sense to me. I still felt so unclear on who she was. And uh, she shows up and Sean Connery is kind of an asshole to her. Like, I find... He's like, I buried two wives and several lovers. It's like, first of all, why are all of them dying? What, what's going on? But second... It's like... Yeah, he, he's basically just saying it's like... Uh, women can't handle it in the fields. Like you're, you're nothing but a distraction. I was like, what the fuck is your problem? Knowing Sean Connery, I thought he might have ad libbed that. Oh, probably. Really? He's not a great yeah. dude. Yeah. He, he's he's. I mean, he's not like. I mean, yeah. He he's kind of a. What's what's the what word Old I'm saying? This. Um. You've yeah. been on yeah. on the record being like, yeah, sometimes you hit women. Like what? Fuck you, Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, he has said that. And I think he was referring to his wife as well. What the hell? Fuck, fuck yeah. you, Sean Connery. I- yeah, uh, he, I mean, he was from a very different time. Ugh. Anyway, asshole. Anyway, uh, they <laughs> yeah. take Captain, so uh, they have to get to Venice in four days. And... That's impossible. And Captain Nemo's like, you let me worry about that. Just Cap, uh, just Quartermain just seems so full of himself and so, like, yeah, like why did they bring him in? Yeah, I just it see he was a terrible. Like I said, he was a terrible protagonist. Like I feel like Tom Sawyer would have been a more interesting protagonist. I know. Again, this is all because it's really poorly written. It's I haven't read the uh, comic, so I can't judge that but yeah i i I read like an intro comic of this like years ago and like they they are drastically different like if you've read um the the watchman comic and have seen the movie like you know that those are very like tonally different even though they do follow a very similar story i don't remember how closely the comic story is in comparison to this movie because apparently the comics are like it's a, a relatively long uh, series. It's not just one uh, large issue like Watchmen. Yeah. It's just it's not just one graphic novel. It's it's a a fairly lengthy comic series. Um, that I am kind of interested uh, I think in the series. Go, goes. I, it does. It does. Yeah, I, I think it goes through like different like um members as well. Like not just who we see in this movie. It just like he, I think uh, Doctor Frankenstein shows up at one he point. He seems because to me he just seemed more like the uh. So in the hero's journey, there is the hero, there's the teacher, and he seemed more like that. He just didn't, it's not even that he was old, and he just was so full of himself, and so, like, he, uh, he just he just took control immediately, 
And it's like, why are you in charge? It, like, it, it just it just was a really annoying and came off really pompous. And it was it was really frustrating. Um, but anyway, Captain Nemo, they get in his car because he, he's like, I call it an yeah. automobile. His automobile, which he takes <laughs> like a full minute to say. Automobile. <laughs> His automobile. And everyone's just like dope. Like no one even is like, like they, no one on the street blinks. Like everyone should be looking. No, like there's several like people just like standing there. It's like, what is this contraption? Like there, there's several people just kind of like huddling. It's like, the hell's this thing? Oh, and infuriating again. He's like, this is my left hand man or my right hand man. And the guy's like, call me Ishmael. And you're like, shut it's the like, fuck up. I was like, oh, come on. Wait, what? Uh, Call me Ishmael is like the first line in Moby Dick. Oh boy. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it's literally the first line. And it's also like, uh, uh, one of the, like, it's, I think it's like the main character in Moby Dick. It's been a long time since I've read See, that. There's, uh, they're making all these references and they're, this, I feel like had the means to be so much better. I, it could have been a way better movie than it was but they're also hammering in all of these references and you know i don't know is this what was this what was this rated was it pg or pg-13 a lot of that this movie group, was this movie was rated pg a lot of this age, this age group might not all get these references yeah it's, yeah no like i i watched this movie like as a kid like i was maybe like seven eight years old when i first saw this movie and most of what this movie had was saying went completely over my head because there was a lot of scenes of just them going to room to room talking about random nonsense. Like I wanted to see action. Yeah. Like I had, I like, it's like, I'm, I'm a kid. I have a short attention span. This movie was not very entertaining in the parts where it's like something entertaining should be happening. So they all get in the car. This is when Sean Connery tells Mina Harker, like, you're a woman and you're, you're going to be a distraction. And I'm like, you know, fuck you. And he, and she's even like, go away. Like it was really ugh, whatever. And so they, they get to Dorian Gray's house who uh, yes. lets them in and they, he leads them to another library. It's almost identical to the one they were just in. So. Yeah. It's like, like why, why couldn't he have come to them? And why did, yeah. Or why, did this also have to take place? Because it, it does lead to another fight scene. And I kind of did like this fight scene. And I did like that it was in a library. But because they were just in a library, it just, they just went from one location to the same. Lo- it was stupid. But, oh, so prior to them, as they're driving, somebody's watching them. It's Tom Sawyer. Like, I mean, we all know it's Tom yeah. Sawyer, who's Shane West, who was in uh, A Walk to Remember, more recently Nikita which I didn't really watch but anyway so they're they're trying to convince Dorian Gray to join and they're just kind of he knows Mina they have like some kind of a history and uh uh Sean Connery says that he met Dorian Gray at a lecture in college and Mina's like oh what were you the guest speaker and he's like no I was a student and it's like, okay, and it's like Dorian Gray, because he's so much younger. It's like, okay, so he's immortal or he doesn't age. He's okay, sure. And then suddenly all of these people just come out. It's the Phantom. And I was like. And like 20 of his men like armed to the teeth with uh, machine guns. And he's like, you guys are going to try to stop me. I can't allow that. It's like, 
Yeah, and then one of the guys, uh, Sean Connery sees, he looks somewhat different than the rest, and he winks at him. It's Tom Sawyer disguised as one of the guards. And then they all just start yeah. fighting. Oh, but, but but before that, like, the, the Phantom's all, like, uh, pretty much just gives, like, the whole join the dark side speech of, hey, you, you guys can join me, and you guys will be, like, rich and powerful beyond your dreams. Like, he pretty much just, like, hey, you guys are all awesome. I'm pretty awesome. Let's be awesome together. Or you guys could be dead. Your choice. And they obviously all decide to fight. And Sean Connery immediately takes uh, the ladder. Because, you know, there's, like, ladders on, on the ladder. And he, like, pushes it. And it, like, hits all these people. Which I thought was cool. But it also just seemed like he just automatically did it. There was no, like, what can I do? You know, like, there was no moment of, like, hesitation on, like, thinking. It, I just didn't find that. Yeah believable and there is a scene i did like this singer somebody shoots dorian gray like a bunch and then he opens his shirt or no the guy ends up like rips his shirt as he after after he gets stabbed all of these uh bullet holes like just disappear and he's like what are you and he's like i'm complicated and i'm like i i but they also that was a good singer unlike the previous sean connery ones where they just quickly cut and there was no time for it to be like, oh, huh. Like, I thought that was a solid yeah. zinger. And, uh, yeah, this whole fight's in. And Tom Sawyer is chasing after yeah. <laughs> the Phantom. And it, uh, okay. And Mina Harker just disappears during this whole thing. Yeah, she disappears. And then, like, later on, she just straight up just eats a guy who, like, tries to, like, hold her hostage. So she show- well, she shows up after the fight. And they're like, where's Mina? And Sean Connery's like, oh, probably in trouble somewhere. And uh, she comes out, and then an extra leftover soldier or whatever attacks her. And she's like, oh, you think I need protecting? And then she just goes full, she's a vampire, uh-huh, and then, like, kills him. And I was like, okay, I like the reveal, but it made no sense to be after the fight. It should have been beginning. Or, like, during, during yeah. or the start like that's the trigger. Yeah. Because what, um, where was she? She just <laughs> disappeared. That whole fight scene. She could have probably helped them out or caught. I, I was can't say caught the phantom because despite that she's a vampire, she doesn't seem to possess any of the qualities that go like. Don't you have speed and burn in the sun or anything like that? She just was like a person, but she's a vampire. Which yeah, no, she 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 just she just drinks blood. That's that's literally it. Like, oh god, and. Um. Also, so after this fight, I want to point out the the fight's over, and they're like they're they're talking to Dorian Gray. It's like, will you join us? Like, sure, I'll join you. And as he's like walked up, his shirt's completely fine. Like all the bolt holes are gone. Like like the rip that just happened. Like his shirt is in like pristine order. It's like how how did you do that? How like your your suit didn't heal itself. It was just yourself. Yeah, he wears the same. I mean, every. I, I mean, everybody's wearing the same thing the whole movie. Nobody seems to change their clothes. Yeah. Uh, so Dorian officially decides to. Well, I guess he had he already decided to join. I don't know. And then Tom Sawyer reveals himself, and he said he's part of. He's Agent Sawyer of the American Secret Service, and we're yep. they you know because if a war breaks out, how long before it, you know America gets it to America? Get, uh, uh, yeah. And then okay, but. So Dorian's like, no, we're we're full. We don't have any room. But M beforehand said, you guys need to go recruit two people. So I'm like, okay, well, one, two. Like, I don't, you're done. 
And then they decide they got to go to Paris so they can go get. Wait, you're missing like, they're like, sorry, Tom, you can't join. He's like, I've got this cool gun. And then Corman's like, he's in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the part where he shows him the gun and he's like, I have another one if you want it. And he's like, no. And then just. It's like, he's in. Yeah. And and then we just move on. We just continue on. They go to Paris to uh, get Mr. Hyde, who's just the Hulk. Or in the beginning, it's yeah, like he it's, can't, it's, it's literally the he Hulk. can't control himself. And then at the end, he's just the Hulk. I'm like, first of all, Miss, uh, Mr. Hyde is not, he's just a evil person. He's not a, yeah, he, the he, Hulk. He, he, <laughs> I mean, at least, at least this whole, this, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is better than Russell Crowe and the Mummy. With, uh, so the, yeah, it, Crow, it's, it's way better than so that. Russell, Russell Crowe, Jekyll and Hyde and the Mummy was extra stupid because he introduced himself as uh, Dr. Jekyll. He then is starting to transform, stabs himself with the antidote or whatever, and then just turns to normal. And Tom Cruise is watching all this. And then we just move right along. And I was like, are we just ignoring this? Are you going to ask any questions? Like, what was that? Like, yeah, this was, this was just him being the Hulk though. And it made no sense. And, but okay. So they're chasing him and they're trying to capture him. And Tom Sawyer's like, why do we need a giant monkey? And is it, why did he think he was a monkey? None of it, I don't know. It's clearly a person with muscular arms and a hat. It, it, <laughs> I don't know. It was just a shit, it was a shit throwaway joke that really just does not deserve our attention. Um, they capture him. They bring him on board. Oh, before oh, we skipped Captain Nemo ship. His, his submarine, the Nautilus, the sword of the ocean, which admittedly looks pretty awesome it, it's this silvery gleaming like super narrow like submarine that yeah that actually looks like a sword of the ocean the design like that was definitely that, that looks exactly like yeah that looks like how it sounds the inside of it it looks like the uh building that they're inside of in i think it's, it's temple of doom i want to say like the white and the uh the arches on everything and it was it was nicely designed. Um, it was one of the better yeah. production design decisions in the movie. But yeah, they they end up capturing they capture Mister Hyde. He slowly transforms into Doctor Jekyll. Is like Doctor Jekyll at, at your service, and he's just like a, a stuttering like mess who's like a, the complete opposite of what he just was. And then uh, Quartermain's like, "Cool, great, awesome," and then they just head out. And one thing that made no sense to me was, I guess there's like, like a deck or there's like an open outdoor space and everyone just hangs out on it. But whenever we would get like these long shots of it, I would never see where this deck was supposed to be. And I thought, yeah. Yeah. I always, I always just kind of assumed like, is it just like an extendable like canopy for like the submarine kind of like, like a, like a, like a periscope, like kind of like a, like how a periscope and like a submarine can kind of be like extended and like, uh, yeah. Brought back down. Like, I just thought that was like, Oh, is it just like a mechanism that just like brings that back up? So people can like take a look outside. Yeah. I thought that too. It just, it didn't, it, it was, it was never no. explained um, at all. So they have three days to get to Venice now. And there's this weird, this happens a couple times. There's these weird dissolves, to the next scene 
But this dissolve from Captain Nemo saying, like, we have three days or we'll get there, whatever, it's too, it started way too early. And so he's still talking and the dissolve is, ha- it looked terrible. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm just trying to look at my notes. The, oh, wait. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> there were a couple of scenes. I don't know if you guys noticed. There were a couple of scenes in this movie where they're out on the deck and behind them. It's so, it, it's a, it's clearly a green screen or actually not even, it looks just like a backdrop. The water is not moving. It's, it's like, yeah, there's one scene where behind Sean Connery, the water is moving and there's a scene like Tom Sawyer. It just looks like a backdrop. Are you kidding me? You had the budget for it. It just, I, I like lost my mind and my dad walked in the room and I'm like, it's not moving. Look, it's not moving. I couldn't get over it. This, this. Uh, kind of like broke me. I've I've never seen that happen. Um, yeah, and also while they're all in the sump, like seemingly like everyone is like flirting with Mina, like Tom Sawyer, uh, Dorian Gray, and uh, Doctor Jekyll is just kind of like watching her from afar and is, like having conversations with uh, Mister Hot, like basically like reflections of like Mister Hot. It's like, oh, she wants me, not you. It's like she's like it's like she's and apparently she's like the only woman on the sub and apparently like everyone wants that was her stupid um it was yeah it's like she, the, like there's un it's like why is this needed do we need to have a a, a romance in this she yeah yeah no it's like uh kinky it's like, it's like i more thought it was it's like she clearly was more into dorian because they had their history but yeah, like Tom was kind of flirting with her and then just stopped. And then after uh, later down the line, her and Jekyll seem to have something. And I'm like, what? This just popped out of nowhere. Yeah, they all just are other than Quartermain and Captain Nemo. They're all pining after her. Uh, yeah, like like it just seems like like everyone's just like flirting with her except for like Quartermain and Captain Nemo. So there's a scene where Tom Sawyer is trying a. Uh, uh, Quarterman is trying to teach Tom Sawyer to shoot. And yeah. I mean, it's it's you the only reason it's there. He he has the cool gun, but obviously Quarterman has the better skills, and the only reason this comes up is because at the very end Tom successfully shoots someone from far away. Like it it's it's yes. not a there it's just it, I don't know, it wasn't an important. That was the only reason it's there. Like it didn't really add anything other than him mentioning Oh, so uh, Quartermain reveals why he hates the British Empire, and it's because he was on a mission and his son died. And yeah, yeah. It, it it he basically just has like survivors' guilt that his son died instead of him for the British Empire, which is something that he just doesn't care about anymore. And he sees a lot of similarities between his son and Tom Sawyer, and that's why he's like teaching him like this is how you shoot like a real man not your american way of shooting just fire it up with a bunch of bullets and hope one of them hits <laughs> the best line from this was like he's teaching him and, and then or i guess the end of the scene and tom Sawyer's just like completely like forgets that i don't know what or i guess he forgets what quarterman just said about his son he's like so did you teach your dead son how to shoot like this and then the guy just walks away yeah. <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> I mean, I don't think he said dead, but I mean, he basically used like the same amount of attacks. Like, do you teach your son how to shoot like this? Like, oh, you little asshole. And he leaves. They're, they were trying to put up, uh, do the whole, oh, he sees 
Tom Sawyer reminds him of his son, whatever. And it's there. Like, it's clear that that's what they're trying to do. But it doesn't, again, if everything's so underdeveloped that it's, again, like any everything else, it's not very important. So, oh, so during this time, there uh, there's evidence that someone's, like, sabotaging or... And, like, stealing all their and stuff. And there was this, like, dust uh, that Captain Nemo finds. And then they see somebody, they see, like, a book fall over. So they all think it's Skinner. And I gotta say, uh, right when I saw the dust, my first thought was Dorian, because it looked exactly the same dust as when the bullets just disappear from his body. So he was my first, I'm like, oh, well, it's probably not Skinner. Yeah. And then, there, what was going on? Quartermain is in his, in his room, and he has to kick Skinner out? I mean, I'm... Yeah, I don't know what that was about. I guess he was just spying on people for no reason. That's never explained again in this movie. He's just randomly in Cormain's room in the middle of the night, and just Cormain just turns out the light so they're both blind, so no one can see each other, and just kicks him out of his room. It's like, Skinner, if you're going to be in my room, wear some pants, and just throws him out. Because Skinner's only invisible when he's completely naked. Like, if he wears his clothes, like, you can see the clothes, but nothing else. And, uh... There is a scene and where Mina and Archie before, sorry, really quickly. So Cordyman leaves his room, obviously, and we see Captain Nemo and he's like worshiping some statue and Mina says it's the god of death. She's like, do we trust someone who worships death? And then Captain Nemo like sees them watching. He closes the doors. It never comes up again. And it's useless. Yeah. It, and because yeah. Mina is in a room doing science and science and, yeah and, like, she does her sean connery impression which i thought was not that bad it, it i was like i'll give it to you but dorian comes in and he starts saying oh yeah my portrait like ages and i don't and yeah and then they like have a drink and they make out and jekyll is just watching and then he's running away and he's having he's been having arguments with Mr. Hyde like every, like he's again like, a mirror and a reflection and i just he was it was like he was he was heartbroken and i'm like why i didn't there was no indication that he was into mina up until this point it was so random yeah he he's he, he's just kind of been like like more or less kind of like a peeping tom just kind of like watching from a door who's like Maybe she'll notice me. Oh, shit, Sheila. Gotta go. Gotta go. Run. And then uh, he and Captain Nemo is really worried that he's not in control. He's like, no, I am in control. And he's like, no, you're clearly you're clearly not. And what did he go to take the elixir and it's gone? I was getting so mixed up by this point. And then around this time, this is when Jekyll, they figure out. So Nemo, it's revealed what the Phantom's plan is. He basically wants to level Venice and like destroy the city and then Jekyll says oh Skinner took my elixir and I don't know I was it was it was I was getting just so confused on what was happening that I just was like whatever and just kept going um they arrive in Venice and there's like a masquerade going on also I want to point out during this masquerade like everyone is seen wearing like like very bright like like different colors everything like every color palette in like this 
like entire scene, including like the fireworks of what everyone was wearing, is completely muted and looks like it's a, like filmed in black and white, even though you can tell they're wearing different colors. Like the fireworks have no color and are super like diluted to the point where it just they're just a dull flicker. And just like, why would you do this? Like, what what was the point of muting all the colors for this like very vibrant, clearly vibrant party? I just thought that was really annoying and weird. It's just like, it's just why like, bother? why is there no color to this firework? And also, why is that like clearly bright red like mask that man is wearing like very like yeah like muted like like it was very noticeable that like someone just messed with like the color palette of of this scene for some reason that was never explained so they get to venice and they think they're they basically see all the bombs are underneath the city and what was the plan they were driving around in the car and they know how to drive oh yeah so that was the best the buildings start blowing up and they're like oh the buildings are dominoing each other which like Based on the amount of explosives, I don't think that's what would have happened. But then Tom Sawyer finds a car, a device he's never seen before, and is like... No, 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 not a car, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just starts driving it expertly. (laughs) He would, like... Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, you're going to track the car, we're going to put it in a building, and you're going to blow up a building before they can domino each other which like yes why because if we blow up a building before it gets blown up we'll stop the explosions that makes no sense if we explode the explosion before it explodes it'll stop the explosions that's their logic for this scene it wasn't me i didn't understand it it made no sense i was like what why are they driving around Uh, so as they're driving around this is when we see all so jekyll doesn't go with them he still too doesn't want to take the elixir and turn into mr hyde uh mina ditches them and we you know using a bunch of bats to attack people. And then Dorian jumps out of a car and is just, I don't know. He, it, we don't really see him doing anything. He, I think he has a sword. Yeah. He, he just like pulls out his cannon, and just starts fighting some like random henchmen. And it's like, they're not going to be able to follow you guys. So there's no point in you sticking around fighting them. So you literally just like, nah, I'm going to go do something. And then Quartermain leaves Tom and he goes after the phantom and he chases them. And then the mask falls off. Who is M, guys? Professor James Moriarty. Well, to come later, but wait. Yeah, oh, I know. Fuck. I, yeah, I, it... I spoiled it. Who's the Phantom? I said it backwards. I was going to say, who's the Phantom? And reveal that it's M. Yeah, oh, it's Moriarty. It's, oh, the Phantom is, I said it backwards. The Phantom is M and M is Moriarty, which we find out a little bit later. But when we find out it's Moriarty, I literally went, oh my God. Like, of course it is. You know? And what bothered me more about, first of all, two things. One, so M is the bad guy. Why did he even bother? He went to such lengths to, he recruited these people to stop. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, his his plan made no sense. So the, like, the idea is he wants to steal their powers. So he needs their formulas, their DNA, whatever. But it's like, I don't know, dude. You could have just sold cool weapons. Like, like Syndrome it. You didn't need all of yeah. these, yeah. Yeah, because because towards the end of the movie, like his his plans are it's like, oh, I'm gonna steal the plans for Nemo submarine and just make an entire fleet of like the Nautilus. I'm gonna steal Doctor Jekyll's formula, so I'll have an army of that. I'm gonna steal Skinner's skin, so I can, or like uh, some of his skin, so I can make an invisible like soldiers, and I'm gonna steal Mina's blood, so I can have an army of vampires. So it's like I'm gonna sell like all these to like the highest bidder throughout the war and just come out on top in this this greatest of world wars 
yeah, it just, it didn't, it, it was so confusing. It was, it was way too elaborate and it didn't make a bunch of sense. And what, what I thought was even stupider though, M, so his mask falls off and he's wearing like a fake layer of like gross scarred looking skin. It's like, why yeah. bother? It's like, wh- yeah, why? Because like no one's going to be able to see that. And two, it doesn't even like conceal your identity. So what was the point of that? If his eye was covered, he looked kind of like Victor Von Doom in his like in his disguise. A I little bit, it. yeah. I was that I was thinking he had looked familiar, and I forgot who he had looked like. But um, yeah, it was so stupid. And then he reveals that there's a spy, which is like, yeah, we know there's a spy. And then Dorian shows up on the on the boat and with Nemo's second in command and something about, he says something about Skinner and he's like, Oh, it's not Skinner. It's me. And then shoots him. And then, uh, they all reconvene. And, uh, the guy, I thought he was, no, he's not dead. He was alive just long enough to let them all know that Dorian is the spy. Yes. And there was just no, I was like, did he not check? And then this is the part he escapes in like a, pod or whatever and this is what my dad said that that would never work and i'm like none of this works this this is that's the least of this movie's worries and they get back on the ship (laughs) and uh they okay they're this this is it just every time the movie just kept taking turns to be stupider like they uh had a it was a recording of m explaining his entire plan yet they were showing it to us like it was black and white because they probably didn't want to just yeah. show us having them listen yeah, to they, it, they, which. Yeah. For, for some reason it, it, he left them like, uh, like an audio recording, like basically like a record and they were playing that and that somehow like projected a black and white movie screen picture, like video of basically like matching, like the audio, like basically it was like an old talkie even though that wasn't a thing yet. It, but it didn't, it didn't um, make sense yeah. for... It, this is what I just didn't get. I'm like, is this an audio recording or is this a movie? And if this is a recording, are they doing them? Or is this only a movie and this is just for the audience's benefit because they know that it's not fun to watch people listen to... They don't want to watch... They don't want us to watch people listening to something, which... Uh, they just should have done because yeah. the other thing just didn't make any sense. It visually it looked good, but there was no reason for it. It was so random. And this is when he realized there's all these bombs all over the ship. And I did like this shot because it then like was speeding through the ship to reveal the bombs. But that should have been a really intense scene. So the fact that and I should have felt intense, I felt stressed out or anything. But no, I I really couldn't have cared less. It was. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, after this whole thing is done, it's like, oh, by the way, I've left like this. During this message, there has been a uh, subtle signal that can only be heard by dogs. And apparently Mr. Hyde can hear it because he's just like writhing in pain in like the mirror and only Dr. Jekyll can see. And it's like, and uh, as soon as this thing is uh, over, it'll set off these bombs. And then Dorian Gray is just all like bomb voyage. And then just all these bombs blow up in the, the Nautilus. Like that is the worst line that you could have said there oh, God. <laughs> it's like oh the bombs are about to go off uh, uh oh 
crap, I need to think of something cool to say. Uh, bomb voyage. Was that good? Uh, was that good? I don't think it was good. Uh, we don't have time to do another take. Damn it. All right. I guess we'll stick with that. So uh, then we are literally getting a scene of the boat starting to kind of sink. And then Jekyll decides to Hulk and uh, open something and everything's better. And they're healing everybody. Mina and Jekyll are healing everybody. And this is when they have kind of a moment where you think, why, why, why is it was kind of like, they had this moment of them trying, of us trying to convince them that there's something between them. And again, never comes back. And it, ugh, and they end up finding out that, I don't know, where, where are they going? It's somewhere in the snow. I don't know. This is like getting to the, this is the climax of the movie. So, I don't know. So, yeah, somewhere north, I'm assuming. And uh, they all have, oh, I mean, this made more sense to me. They all are wearing like snow, like jack coats and stuff. But I thought it was funny because it, it reminded me of in uh, the animated, the DreamWorks version of Sinbad, where they're in a cold place. Oh, and yeah. they all suddenly have warm clothes. And it made less sense to me that the woman had all these, had her, like, what, when did she just brought her warm clothes with her? Okay, sure. But, like, this made more sense because, like, oh, they're all the same. So it's clearly um, Captain Nemo's just stash of it. And... They're yeah. all hiding out in a cave, and then a white tiger shows up, and then leaves, and then Skinner appears. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. Skinner shows up, but it, the funny thing about Skinner is that for him to be invisible and scout out the area, he has to be completely naked in this barren, frozen wasteland. And as he shows up, it's like, "Oh, do you mind if I come inside? It, is this weather is quite nasty on my nether regions?" And uh, yeah, he and he pinches. He reveals himself by pinching or grabbing mina's butt and then she slaps him and i'm like cool you it's know? like oh cheeky and, <laughs> it's like he there, there are times where like skinner just like straight up just has like austin powers vibes to him and i i appreciate when mina slapped him i'm like yeah because you can't slap yeah. sean connery other than he vocally being an asshole he hasn't done anything uh as quartermain um as True. quartermain uh but no, <laughs> but um they end up I, I don't know. They have a plan. I, I They're going to help people escape and people are building stuff. I don't know. It's in, I didn't know what was going on anymore. I was sitting so lost. <laughs> and yeah, it, it basically, it's basically revealed that it's like, Oh yeah, this is, this is M's weapons factory. He's building like a fleet of Nautiluses or not a lie. Um, he, he's making these like, weapon like these full-on like metal armors that are basically just like the the hydra flamethrower guys in the first captain america movie where they just have like the dual wheel flamethrowers and they're just wearing like full metal armor and so they're they all split up and mina goes after so uh skinner and uh jekyll i think are trying are reveal or hide or uh, letting I guess there's people that are trapped and they're letting them go and Mina goes after Dorian and they have this fight scene because they're both immortal so it's anyway and yeah, the the fight is extremely exaggerated and he stabs her clearly not in her heart and thinks he's killed her um, and then she <laughs> I don't I don't know why he would think that because he's like stabs her like right in like like underneath the middle of her sternum and it's like yep that's where her heart is. I win. Don't need to double check or double tap that. So like, what? No. Dorian. Uh, and he and he says, "I thought it would nail you one more time. I just didn't think it would be literally." And I'm like, uh, "What?" 
my god. Yeah, why not? Damn. And uh, I was really worried because I thought he was, for a set second, I was worried he was going to rape her or something when he said that. I'm like, what? And then he just cut. And I was like, okay, good, good, good. You're just a murderer. You think you're a bad murderer. Clearly, because he failed at killing that other guy, too. But then, uh, so though he gets, he did this whole thing because he wanted his picture back. Yeah, his, his basically M somehow managed to get his painting, which is the only thing that can kill Dorian Gray is if he looks at it. So it's like he somehow lost possession of it. It's never explained how or how M even got it in the first place, and he now has like his painting like covered with like a, a like a thing. Like a, like a yeah. shawl over it. And yeah. Also, like, but the the funny thing is that I realized, like, how would he verify that that is his painting unless he looks at it? Because for all he knows that M just gave him, like, a shit, like, fake painting and said, like, oh, yeah, this is your painting. Dorian Gray has no way of verifying that unless he looks at it, thus breaking the curse and killing him. So... There's there's no way that he could have like actually known that he actually got what he wanted to get by, out of this deal. So uh, Mina sh- is uh, not dead and shows him the shows him the portrait and he dies. And I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Moving on. We then so uh, Cordemain and Tom Sawyer are after M and M is just he's getting a shaving. Yeah. He- yeah, he's just he's just shaving in the middle Which, of this. What I thought like, was weirder okay, was weird. not even the shaving; it's that he's shaving his mustache, which it just seemed for the sense of, for the for the movie, it made no sense. He had a mustache and then he didn't, and it's like something about it just seemed weird to me. It's like you're gonna make the decision to get rid of your mustache now. Why not before? Why did you ever have it? And they start this whole weird. There's it's hilarious. There's this chase scene between Quartermain and Tom Sawyer and M, and it just. M's running. Tom Sawyer and Quartermain are running. M's running. It just keeps cutting back and forth. I'm like, yes, we get it. They're running. Like, it goes on forever. And then uh, they get separated, and Tom is literally fighting another invisible guy with a knife. And he thinks it's Skinner at first. Like, oh, it's okay, Quartermain. You go after M. I ran into Skinner. Because they sent Skinner earlier in the head to plant all these bombs to blow up the entire factory while Hyde and Nemo and, like, all of Nemo's, like, men, like, all... Apparently, he only has, like, eight soldiers on his entire sub to to free all the prisoners, like, all the scientists and their families. And it, but, the scene is ridiculous. Uh, and then it gets to, like, it becomes, like, a... There's like It's like a firefight. He's in a room that's on fire. And then Skinner saves him. And he's on fire. It's just... And he looks totally fine. There's another, that scene before when he drives the car into the building and he shows up later. He looks, he has no scratch, no, he's not even covered in like soot or anything. He just, they, they all just emerge yeah. just as perfect. And, eh, oh but yeah, the, 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 this, this does kind of lead into like my favorite like scenes in the movie is when, um, is, is with, uh, Jekyll and uh or hyde and nemo was like oh we like nemo turns to uh mr hyde and is like oh we have trouble it's like you call it trouble i call it sports like that's actually a pretty solid line for this movie and they come across the craziest henchman that m has employed who is just like has a machine gun and he's just laughing maniacally as he's just firing it it's like he is he is by far like the best part of this movie that guy had so much like 
uh, character to him. I'm like, was he introduced earlier and I, I missed it? Like, yeah, because uh, he's obviously a bad guy, and I'm like, but they're just using him for like these five minutes. No, every, I think yeah, every time and, this guy, he's always just like, is this the guy that every single time he has a gun, he's like, ah ha ha. Yeah, as yeah, as far as I know, he only shows up in like during the climax is when he's like firing at all of Nemo's men and not dying, even though he's taking zero cover and just mowing everyone down. And when he drinks like like all of like Hyde's potion and just really hams it up and just turns into like mega he looks Hulk. Like I wrote it down. So yeah, he drinks the elixir. He looks like the Hulk plus Jafar as a uh, genie. And for a second, <laughs> Hulk and Jafar. Yeah, like I, when he's like red, and and also at the at a glance when he first yeah. turns, it's like uh, it looked like he had black like like veins almost. So I wrote Darth Maul inside out. It looked just like a combination of all <laughs> these weird villains. And they have this fight scene, and Hyde is the one that points out like he's. And also, oh, there's a part though. One of his arms is skinnier than the other. And he looked, it looked like yeah, Spongebob I, I, when I, I, he I has, th- like, the blow-up muscles and one's deflating. I, I, I think it's like that because he, like, downed the potion and, like, a bunch of it spilled on more on one arm than on the other. And that's why one of his arms is, like, yeah, half the size of his body and the other one's, like, proportional size Wait, to his spilled? body. Like, that's, it just needs to spill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he like downed. He basically like drank a bunch of it, and then he just kind of like poured it like all over his body, and it just a lot got on to like the arm that just turned yeah. giant. Uh, and I, I, I just assume that's why. And okay, um, I don't think I noticed that, but yeah, it just he looks. Yeah, he he looks weird. It, the CGI is hilarious for him, and this is kind of we're starting to get to the end of it, and then Quartermain. It's like Quartermain. Uh, verse M and he at the last second gets stabbed and then Tom Sawyer shows up uh, M's disappearing he's running away kind of like that guy did in the beginning of the movie and Quartermain's like shoot him he's like he's he's like he's too far away he's like no you're ready and he shoots him and then Quartermain dies and I was like well whatever I I will say though when he and they blow up the factory. When he does get stabbed, I was like, oh no! Like, I did gasp, because I wasn't expecting him to die. Uh, and then it cuts to, they're in Africa at his first funeral. Oh, he says at the beginning of the movie, when he first gets recruited, that he can only, Africa, he got blessed by a witch doctor who said, uh, Africa will never let you die. And I think it was like Dorian, or someone said, but you're not in Africa now. And he's like, no. So also, they're at the funeral, and, like, Skinner's just fine now. Like, his entire body was, like, scarred from fire. Yeah. But but he's cool now, so. Yeah. I guess guess this takes place, like, several months later, because we haven't gotten a timestamp in But they all look dressed. They're all dressed in the same stuff. Like, Tom Sawyer is in the exact same clothes he was just in. Alternate costumes don't exist in the the 1899. And Captain Nemo basically says, "You're all welcome to keep traveling with me on my boat." And uh, Tom Sawyer puts the gun, the, the rifle, on Quartermain's grave. They all walk away. There's like a witch doctor doing something, and clouds are showing up, and the gun's starting to shake. And then, cut! It's the end of the movie. It just it very abruptly yep. ends. And I was like, "What? Oh, okay, whatever." 
Ugh, that is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I can under. I will say this: it's it was not a good movie, but I can definitely understand Kevin if you saw this as a kid. That I can understand a, a, like a young kid liking this. Yeah, like watching this as like a seven or eight year old, especially like the final height between like Hyde and like Mega Hyde, like oh, this is the coolest thing ever. And they're fighting Invisible Man, and there's there's vampires, and they're fighting a, a, a flamethrower guy. It's like, this, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, that just, like, this this blew my mind as a kid. Yeah, I, I had never heard, seen this movie. I I think I... I ha- I, I know I, I had heard of it. I just... I don't know. We didn't... I actually, my... I think one of the reasons I knew this movie existed, and prior to doing this, my sister sent me... It was, it was a Family Guy clip... <laughs> When they're at Quahog Six Flags and they're like, we're about to go on the best roller coaster in Quahog, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the ride. And <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, the movie, uh, it, it uh, had a guy with an umbrella and a guy who wore a mask and the guy with the umbrella opened it at one point, which I don't remember an umbrella. But anyway, I asked my sister after she watched it, like, was there a guy with an umbrella? And, 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 oh, it wasn't overly long. Those were the points about it, about the movie. Yeah. This, this movie was an hour and 50 minutes, which honestly wasn't like, it goes by pretty quickly. Like there's stuff in there to like, keep you occupied. Even there's a lot of scenes of just them just talking and really no like major like character growth happens besides that. The only real character growth is like the, kind of like father-son dynamic between um uh Quartermain and Tom Sawyer. That's really the only like main character dynamic. Tom Sawyer and I guess Jekyll maybe. That's about it. There were the two biggest issues were the plot. The story was really very poorly written, which which was established, and there was just no character development. I I cared about these characters, but barely and just all these decisions on like traits and all these things just never went anywhere. It was just not, uh, it, this read, this was like a first draft. This was not, this was definitely not a should be in theaters yet draft. It wasn't good. But I remember a couple years ago, you had asked me, you had said to me, have you seen the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I said no. And you went, oh, it's a gem. It's a gem. It is. It's a, it's a gem because it's like, there's there's some good parts in it, even though like this movie mostly is kind of kind of. But kind once of you said that, I was like, okay, I need to I need to watch this. And I remember when I was uploading <laughs> uh, into the Spider Verse, and I almost wrote that John Mulaney and Nick Cage are gems, and I like no, I got to save gem for when we do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I I don't know how else to describe it to someone who's yeah. never seen it and is also a fan of bad movies like. Uh, you'll you'll get a kick out of this. This is a gem. So, uh, overall rate, how would you, Connor? How would you rate this movie on like a like a scale of one to ten? Uh, am I allowed to say negative three? <laughs> I mean, movies like this are like yes. infuriating. So, so like, wait, there, there, there was no redeeming qualities from this movie it, for you. It's not even like it. Just I was just mad the whole time. Like, why did this get made? Like, who? Like, because. I don't. They couldn't. Have, <laughs> they couldn't have done rewrites or like whatever. Like it was so bad. Uh, I mean, I guess that's fair. What was that? What? <laughs> what was that? Oh, thing? that was Siri on my phone. <laughs> okay, S- Siri wanted what? to give her her opinion about this movie too. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It. It just. 
Yeah, no, I agree, like, this movie is not the greatest, but, I mean, it is by far not the worst, especially for, like, Sean Connery's, like, filmography. But it, it's just, it is just kind of yeah. unfortunate that this is, like, the movie that he ended on. Espe- uh, especially yeah, after such just... a very, like, pretty successful film career, especially, you know, like, from, like, Darby O'Gill and the Little People to James Bond to Hunt for Red October. Like, he, he was... Like, the, like, actor that, like, everyone knew for, like, decades. I didn't understand, when I was first started watching SNL, I didn't understand that in Jeopardy, the guy that was playing Sean Connery and the guy that was playing Burr Reynolds (laughs) were not actually Sean Connery and Burr Reynolds. I was, I didn't think I understood. I thought, I thought, I definitely thought that that was the real Burt Reynolds. I, I think I was pretty sure that that was the real Sean Connery. I don't think I understood. I don't think I knew Sean Connery well enough. I, and I didn't understand the point of SNL yet at the time. Oh at the time. Uh, this is not like last week. <laughs> Just let me stress that up. Yeah, this was this was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, a negative three. I just love how it's not, not negative 200, not something ridiculous, no. It's, it's, you, you thought a lot about this, it is negative three out of ten. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably give this movie, like, a four out of ten. It's not the worst. I mean, there's a few moments in this, like, the action's pretty decent, the sets are pretty cool, um, CGI isn't the worst, especially for 2003 standards, so, overall... This movie doesn't hold up, but it is entertaining enough to give it a watch. It's a good, I feel like it's a good kind of dumb movie to like, you're hanging out with friends and you want to kind of laugh at some stuff. I mean, it's not like laugh out loud bad, uh, but there are some scenes that I was laughing at. So it's not a, I would say it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a decent crappy movie. Yeah. Like, like a 3.5 out of four. I'm trying to guess like what you're going to rate it. (laughs) I'm 2.5. Maybe okay. uh, 2.5 out of 10. It's, I just think it's, I think what makes, I said this before, what just pained me so much. First of all, it was just so rushed and everything. It was like they were just trying to get to the action and get to the adventure when, no, you need to develop it and it'll make all of those things stronger. There was such, the character development was so poor and non-existent. And actually, no, it was not poor. It was non-existent. But the plot, again, I just think, I think this could have been a lot better. And they just, it was just so sloppily <laughs> written. I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I'm saying 2.5 now. I feel like 4 is kind of high. Like, so, like I gave Space Jam like a 4. So, yeah. <laughs> this is lower than Space Jam. Uh, Damn, that's I, saying yeah, something. I actually, there's another podcast that I listen to sometimes. And they did where they talked about bad movies and they talked about Space Jam and it was a live show and everyone was just booing them because <laughs> the <whole laughs> they all hated it. And Space Jam is like a treasure for several people. Um, but anyway, this is a really bad movie. We need to do a good movie. Yeah. Week. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to we need to do a good movie after doing this and Space Jam, which if you haven't listened to our Space Jam episode, give it a listen. It is easily our funniest and by far our best episode so far. I think to me that I the movie Hook was better was a better movie, but I I feel like this is a little bit closer to Hook in terms of there were things that were introduced that weren't fleshed that, out. You don't see fleshed out, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a little more closer to that, but it, Hook was 
I think I didn't see what the let me see what the score was for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, on IMDb, it is five point eight out of ten. See, IMDb is weird because it's rated out of ten, so it, yeah. certain scores seem higher or lower than you would guess. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> it got a seventeen. <laughs> So low. Oh yeah, and a yeah, on, yeah, and they have a, a meta score of uh, from Metacritic of thirty. Oh boy, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh boy. This movie okay. is not for everyone. <laughs> um, so we got a little bit of time. So I thought, are you guys watching anything? What are you guys watching to pass the time during quarantine? Um, I actually just watched this with my family the other day. Um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the uh, the Netflix original western that has um, uh, Liam Neeson, uh, James Franco. Uh, James Franco's uh, in that. Yeah, James Franco. I, I... Like, there, there's there's a lot of actors in this, and it's just a bunch of like short stories that take place in like you know the the Wild West, like Westward Expansion, Manifest Destiny. Um, and it starts off with like this really funny one of Buster Scruggs, who's like this, you know, this gunslinger, but he's like very like morally, I don't know, um, like he he thinks that he's the good guy, but he's doing like all these messed up things, but he's doing it in like a somewhat pleasant way, um, and it, it's pretty funny. And then it kind of steers into like like oh these are like really sad and really like kind of depressing, but the stories themselves are really well done. They're really mm-hmm. like fleshed out. Um, my favorite one is um, I think it's called like the girl with the rattles and it's basically the, the Oregon trail and um, this lady's uh, and her brother are traveling along. Her brother dies and he accidentally gets buried with all the money that they had. So she can't pay her stagecoach hand to like help run the wagon from where they are to Oregon. So she has to try to figure out a way to like keep the, the her caravan moving along with everyone else and not get left behind and ultimately die. Oh, um, it, it's, it's really well done. I'm making it seem like way more depressing than it actually is, but it's definitely worth the watch. I, I would recommend it. I just know the actor, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, because my sister and I just refer to him as Jonathan Jacobo, because that's who he was in the second uh, live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Oh my gosh. That's all we know him <laughs> So every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's Jonathan Jacobo. Anyway, um, uh, Connor, what or other than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, are you watching anything? Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually started a new Netflix series last night. It was uh, very interesting. It, it's called The Midnight Gospel. Oh yeah, oh. that that just came out like the other day, right? Yeah, yeah. I watched the first two episodes last night. So it's animated by Pendleton Ward, and it's voiced by comedian Duncan Trussell. If you okay. know uh, him, he's a pretty famous comedian. And it's it's real. I mean, it's weird. I don't know if I'll watch the whole thing, but I recommend it as a try to anyone because it's so trippy and bizarre. So it's oh, it's, it's this guy. Yeah, it's a cartoon, but this guy owns a forbidden multiverse simulator and he travels to worlds about to have their own apocalypses and interviews them for his space podcast. And it's 
it's weird because it's yeah, like I, really bizarre. I, it's actually like an interview he does with real people, but then it's like animated to this like weird backdrop. So like the first one is like he goes to this planet having a zombie apocalypse, and he has a podcast with the president about drug laws, and it's like weird. Yeah, but, I I remember seeing the trailer for this, and it's like it just looked like a fever dream in a fever dream. It, it just it looked so trippy and like a, a full-on like peyote acid trip uh it, it was just like I, I i didn't know quite what to make of it just based off of the trailers yeah it was, it was really bizarre but i uh, definitely give it a recommend to try to anyone who's looking for something yeah. to watch yeah yeah I, I forgot that i forgot that was like coming out until i saw like uh when i was on like netflix the other night uh okay. sam what 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 uh what have you been watching or what do you got to recommend to the people so uh i um i've been kind of i've been i've been working a little bit so i I've, I've been trying not to watch i've been just doing like normal rewind re- like watching just reruns as background noise but actually i finished so yesterday i i already started watching it and i was continuing it it's a so buzzfeed i've mentioned them before buzzfeed does a couple of originals and there's one that i really love called buzzfeed unsolved it's true crime they do one for supernatural stuff um which i won't watch because that'll just creep me out um but the true crime one i started watching this year and season six is it's not available on hulu but it's available on amazon and i don't know i was never thought of myself as that hardcore into true crime but it's super interesting and it's really creepy and I definitely would recommend don't watch it alone right before at night, right before you go to bed, because you will regret it forever. Um, Ooh, spooky. It, it, it's, <laughs> you know, because sometimes at two in the at two or three in the morning, the New Orleans axe murder is creepy. But at two in, in the afternoon, you're like, ah, you um, but, <laughs> killers can't hurt me in the daytime. <laughs> but uh, and actually, after I watched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen last night my dad and I started watching six underground, the Netflix original it's, it stars Ryan Reynolds. It's an interesting cast it stars Ryan Reynolds. And, uh, it's, I, it's Michael Bay, which I didn't know until the credits rolled. And I'm like, Oh, well that makes sense. It's, it's really fun. It's really entertaining. It's definitely catered to men, which my dad never laughed. My dad was like, Oh my, cause the amount of parkour and, you know, fight scenes as well as uh there's these two sex scenes and one of them there's just no reason for (laughs) there's really no reason for it and we were like what why why is this happening um but it's it's really fun it's about these people who basically fake their death and then they're trying to essentially make the world a better place and so it's setting it up for it to be kind of a series because the first their first uh guy that they're trying to take down is like a dictator in some a made up uh middle eastern country uh it's 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 really fun i my only thing about it was it was like you know it's a michael bay movie so there wasn't as much character development as there should have been uh it's kind of like you know more on the explosions and that stuff than oh yeah absolutely you know but i mean it is a fun movie it's kind of ryan reynolds's character is like a billionaire if think of is if think of deadpool if he wasn't uh deadpool <laughs> just like a person <laughs> who has a million dollars and is fun it's he he's super entertaining um 
it, but he's definitely, he's also an interesting character, the concepts uh, and the dynamics, because the idea is everybody has a number. You don't know anyone's name. And you kind of realize it's because he doesn't want people, he doesn't want people to get attached to each other. He doesn't want to, because he, he wants it to be about the mission, not the man. So it's it's an interesting movie. I definitely recommend it. Um, okay. Yeah. I hope I hope everyone stays safe out there. Uh, Connor, thanks for being a part of our podcast this week. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. My Andrew told me you had several notes and you really hated it, and so I'm like, "Do you want to come? We need you." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to invite people to shit on movies. Anyway, so yeah, this has been Movie Real. I'm Samantha Tomlinson. I'm Kevin Tracy. And Connor, what's your name? Oh, I mean, I'm Connor. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Connor. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.